Hi, welcome to this little introduction and summary of Chronicles of Starlight. If at any point you're interested in listening to the podcast normally, just pause this episode and skip right to the episode you're looking to start at. Chronicles of Starlight is an actual play D&D podcast with four friends. Emily, Aka, Uendo, and me! Vivian, as is Yep. It follows a very active week for three adventures. Abraxas Bloodstone, a tiefling monk, Foxfire Regala, an elf wizard, and Luthmos, a feral tiefling fighter. The story involves themes of regret, existence, and finding community after disaster. As this is my first podcast, and I do not have anything close to a degree in audio production, the first couple episodes do not have great audio. Uh, in my personal opinion, as I finish up this series uh, while writing this, the podcast really hits its stride at episode 19. As I go through my summary, I will tell you the range of episodes I'm talking about so you can hop on at any point. The story starts with the three heroes coming to the mountaintop town of Estelle, prized for its glasswork, astronomy, and fortune-telling. The lord of the town, Carl Starseeker, has hired them to clean out his family's catacombs and find his missing brother. They prepare in town, finding an odd coin from a mysterious child, and with the help of two seasoned adventurers, Anthony and Rothkar, they clear the catacombs out of a family of kobolds that have taken residence, and picking up a little pseudo-dragon along the way. And then episode 5 happens. They find Randall Sarseeker dying, and receive a book with an ominous prophecy that the Earth will be destroyed by sunset today. They set out of town and try to do what they can to stop it. The people don't believe them at first, but the lord of the town, Carl, trusts the heroes and pulls every string he can to mobilize the town and other towns. By sunset, the prophecy has come true, and the earth is attacked by strange triangle-shaped ships the size of pillows. They weave into the earth and eat everything in their path, turning the earth into more of them. The people of earth fight back, but hopelessly the planet is devoured from underneath them. Amongst all this, a strange ship appears, in the form of a pink nautilus, with an even stranger captain, a blue-skinned, pirate-clothed humanoid named Idru. She picks up the three heroes and they fly away from the planet to watch as the triangle ships devour the Earth, and all living creatures on Earth are suspended in space, dead. Episode 6 and 7 are all about this fun new adventure they find themselves in, meeting the crew and the strange method of travel the Nautilus uses. Including Idru, there are nine crewmates. The other eight are as follows. Dognut, a dog in a suit that has a donut for a collar. Ferrix, a pink mantisoid creature. A slug creature with big ears and no name. Radiculio, awesome possum, a possum with cool shades and a cool scored skateboard. Strawberry Sunshine, a flying pink fluffy snake. Fang, a strange reptile dog with huge teeth and a marquee cybernetically attached. Squall, a bipedal shark with stick arms. And Jim, a mysterious humanoid in an old-timey diver suit. They pick up a rotting part of some black monster from space and store it on the ship. They head away from the planet using a form of warp that takes a shortcut through a previously undiscovered plane. The plane of pink, as Idra calls it. It's a plane of pink and purple, and it's a world of eternal sunset, full of clouds and mist. Mysterious is definitely one hell of a word to describe the place. 
anyways, they go into this weird plane and the magic coin reacts. They dive into one of the crewmates' dreams. First, they go into Jim's world, a monochromatic old-timey world with an abandoned town and an undead problem in the sea. They uncover a underwater base full of mutant creatures, and Jim's brother is in control of it all. They destroy a mysterious object that seems antithetical to everything they've seen in the world, and in its destruction, the undeath is reversed and the world is saved. The group come back to the waking world, and although nothing seems to have changed, Jim and the others remember what happened. And they bring a cool souvenir! And also, Jim is a skeleton and now a cleric of the Raven Queen, because that's cool! And that ends on episode 9. Then the crew go to a space mall, and they get to see a bunch of aliens and visit a strange store run by a strange stranger. They do some metaphysical trades and buy some weird alien items. It's at this time they buy some Heelys, and they never end up using them, but Luthmos does get a very cool relic sword. And that's episode 10. They leave and then head to their next destination, once again through the Plane of Pink. And the coin reacts once more! This time they go into Squall's world, an undersea ocean kingdom with cops. Uh, I wrote this in like 2018, give me a break. Squall is a detective princess, and the team gets wrapped up in an investigation conspiracy to overthrow the monarchy. They chase the cult into the depths of Squall's own basement and find the bad guys trying to contact their eldritch god. The cult has a strange object that can rewrite words. The team stops them and gets launched back into their world on the Nautilus. That concludes with episode 16. Then they visit an Earth that's being terraformed. They see a bunch of Earth animals and Earth plants and wow, it's like a whole new Earth! And then they find a dying monster whose blood is powering the whole thing! And that Abby's dad, a real ass devil, is working with the main dude of the place, a dude called Tiberius Rothsgate. So they get out of there ASAP not without being briefly stopped by Tiberius, who makes his power well-known, but lets them go on in the end. Back on the ship, they notice the giant black claw they picked up two days ago is gone, and they fucking get out of there before things get worse. That ends on episode 18. This is where things start to get cohesive. <laughs> Before this, I just kind of made things up as I went. I had a basic framework, but for the most part, it was improv. It's really episode 19 that we figure out the mood of the game, the theme structure, and how things really worked well together. And, you know, it's pretty common for a lot of podcasts for uh, episode 20 to be about where things actually get good. And it's here that I noticed my microphone is facing the wrong way, and the noise reduction uh, and everything starts to sound like a little bit better. Basically what I'm saying is that if you actually really want to listen to this podcast, but want to cut out uh, the rough stuff and get to the good stuff, go ahead and stop listening to the summary right now and pick up on episode 19. For those of you who just want to jump to the very end, I totally get it. Here's the rest of the summary. They go to Strawberry's world, a delightful world full of friendly fairies in a lovely village. They hang out, chill, and do shopping, and then they meet God! Well, uh, the creator of this world. Close enough to God. Uh, this God warns the team of an approaching terror, which after going back to the village, happens! There's chaos and Faye are running around everywhere, and Idru, without her iconic clothes, appears, and a horrible villain shows his face. 
Idru's very brother, full of dark magic and releasing those planet-eating ships onto the world. The team confronts him, and Abby dies. The world crumbles beneath them, and they wake up back on the ship with a comatose Abby. They resolve to enter the plane of pink and get her back. They gear up and enter the plane, diving deep into the valleys and into Abby's memories. She's stuck in her past, and it takes a team working together to pull her out. On the way back to the ship, they are stopped by strange creatures that they have to make their way past and avoid getting infected by the pink fog that covers the land. They do that, but Foxfire is infected by it, and, well, he's fine, except he's now a little green! Like and that's episode 25. They awaken Abby, who is fine, except for the giant black wound where her heart is. It's fine. They go to the next world, which is Rad's 80s vaporwave outrun cyberpunk geometric hellscape. It's very cool. And they outsmart a dragon and go to a pyramid to do the Mandrox Sphinx's trial in hopes of receiving the legendary MacGuffin, an object that can suit any need. They go through the maze and reach the end and take the final trial from the Bizno Sphinx, an 80s girl boss sphinx! <laughs> Where they dive into the dark, deep, dark puddle of introspection! Luthmos goes in and experiences a war on the front lines and spends years after defecting until resolving enough to escape. The MacGuffin is almost within his grasp and just in his... And just as he's able to grab it, Idru's brother appears. Luthmoth jumps to it and it crumbles in his grip. The world dissolves around them and they're back on the ship. And that ends on episode 30. Then they appear back in space at a cool festival celebrating the collision of two neutron stars and the last remnants of life in the universe. Everyone is uh, having a great time meeting new people and aliens such as Iran, the half-orc from... Uh, Earth, who is able to escape with his cool magic sword. Uh, Gildian Wormwood, two wizards that were able to escape using a gate spell. And there's an alien named Olaz, who works for the Intergalactic Coalition of Universal Protection. They end up playing a game to get an audience with a fifth dimensional being who might be able to get them some answers. And they do. And a time limit till the festival is overrun by planet eaters. And that's episode... 35. They get a glimpse into what the future might be, but they are only able to see so far. The team leaves the game room and things progress as the fifth dimensional being uh, has predicted. Abby's dad comes back and tries to get Abby, but Abby refuses and her dad gets hostile, but ultimately leaves. They meet up with Idru and the crew to devise a plan. They also meet up with Tiberius once more and make a deal with him getting cool items in exchange for breaking a contract with his previous contract, Abby's dad, using whatever means they want. They get other things situated and cool new armor as they enter the plane of pink once more and get to the bottom of this place. Literally. They dive in for one last time, making their way to the deepest portions of the plane of pink. There they see memories along the walls, some from other parallel timelines, some from Idru's past, and some from the past of a wanderer of the Plane of Pink. Uh, this character I wanted to sprinkle in a little bit more, but basically trust me, uh, I mentioned him earlier, but his relevance to the character's plotline is uh, negligible, so I didn't really mention him in the summary till now. In his memories, it's revealed that there is a beholder related to the beginning of this whole situation. 
They talk with that little girl that they met way at the very beginning of the story, who apparently, with the help of their friend, had made this entire world and, been, and has been trying to help the team stop Idru's brother. And then Idru's brother catches wind of this happening and sends some magic to try to stop them. They beat it by sacrificing the Nautilus and then fall into the center of the plane of pink. The center holds a small crumbling planet built solely on skyscrapers and more of those planet-eating ships constantly building it back up. They go to the tallest skyscraper and are met by an odd creature but decide not to engage. They instead go to a different room and put together a puzzle. By using the crewmates and the artifacts that are located in each of their worlds, they find out the true name of the odd creature and release it from its binds. The creature turns out to be a beholder and pretty much the god of the planet pink. And that concludes episode 41, the last episode before the finale. And, well, the last of the summary that I'm gonna tell you, because <laughs> next up is the finale. And we finally finished recording the finale, which a session that I thought was gonna take three hours turned out to be 10 hours. So the finale is gonna be split up into three parts. Uh, each of them is gonna take a while for me to edit, so don't expect them to come out uh, in the regular one month schedule that I've been releasing episodes. Um, I want this finale to be as best as that can be, which means a lot of music and a lot of editing. I plan on releasing the finale on my YouTube as well with visuals to make it more engaging. Um, the series is set to end on episode 44 with everything wrapping up with a satisfying of a conclusion that I can make. Looking back while writing this, I realize that the story is pretty convoluted. I have learned a lot about what to do for a story structure and definitely left out a lot of plot points that went nowhere. And with all that understood, I've written this finale as a big wrap-up, putting this gingerbread of a house together with a mishmash of icing glue that I can muster. It's, um, this finale is gonna be, in one word, nuts. So I really hope that the summary has gotten you interested enough in the possibility that I might be able to conclude all these threads and make sense of the wild ass shit I've said. And I sincerely hope I've created something that you will enjoy. But keep in mind that I have made 95% of this podcast without any input from anyone else. Not without asking, <laughs> but more because, uh, well, no one's listened to it. Uh, tis the nature of podcasts, I suppose. Anyways, if you have any comments, suggestions, any favorite bits, please tell me. All of my socials are Chibi Cheese Puff, and I would absolutely love the support if you could follow me on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Twitch, on Patreon, uh, YouTube, <laughs> any of all of those things. Uh, support me on Patreon at Chibi Cheese Puff. I would really appreciate the support. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. <laughs>